Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation between two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and helping people navigate their careers within organizations and also obsessed with pop culture. I'm Virginia Martinez. And my name's Kara Kirby. Together we have over 20 years of working inside of organizations and now we both work outside with companies all over the world helping them drive their people first practices. This first season of Pop On Leadership is dedicated to a show called Ted Lasso. We're going to walk through the first 10 episodes unpacking all the leadership lessons along the way. So let's get into it. Season one, episode four of Ted Lasso is called For the Children. And so the backdrop is the the main event is literally a main event, right? Um, this is Rebecca's first time putting on this fundraising gala without her ex-husband, Rupert. We do find out that he weasels his way back in later in the episode to steal the show. However, the all of the things sort of surrounding this episode are like setting up the gala for success, as well as using it as a forcing mechanism for certain teammates to work through their tensions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll kind of, we'll walk through that too. The other big thing is that, um, you know, the other thing that this episode shares with us is that the team is still losing. <laughs> they don't go too in too in depth into it, but you do get the sense that even though Ted Lasso is all this new energy, like, their performance as a team hasn't quite changed yet. And so it's coming to a head. People are really sort of chippy with each other. And the gala is this moment to sort of work through some of that. You know, what's interesting is that a lot of times I think that if people change their leadership approach into this humanistic way, right, like the Ted Lasso way, and it doesn't get results right off the bat, I, it's, it's a symbol of that frustration that they might feel. That your team is still losing. Why don't you change your approach and start, you know, being harder on these guys? Like go back to that, that authoritative leadership. I, I, I bet there's so many people that feel that tension when they don't see those results right away, but you have to go slow to go fast. And in some ways, like Ted Lasso does get a bit extreme, at least extreme for Ted Lasso in that he doubles down on his own approach and forces Jamie Tart and Roy Kent, who are sort of where a lot of this tension is living on the team, to sit together at a table and basically say, like, we're going to resolve this. Like, you're going to have to talk to each other. We're going to have to talk through this. So actually, instead of, yeah, changing the overall style, it's like, I truly believe in you. I'm, I'm here to support you. But like, we're gonna, we are going to get touchy feely about these things. I thought some, it was interesting. So they sit down at dinner and of course, Jamie Tart, he, his fashion decision that he makes is to wear <laughs> no shirt. No shirt. His, just such perfect character development oh. of an idiot 23 year old. When he was picked trying on the, the outfits and Keely's like give, helping him choose his outfit. And first of all, Sometimes, like, I need to watch the show with subtitles because the accents are like, or the dialects or what have you are so strong. But I couldn't understand. He was saying, like, it's not for me. It doesn't even have any graffiti on it. <laughs> and I was like, what did he just say? Graffiti. I was like, what is graffiti? Like, <laughs> anyway, yes. Ultimately, because his suit had no graffiti, he felt that the way to make it Jamie Tart style to wear was no shirt. So just like a jacket <laughs> and bare chest. <laughs> Do you ever wish you could live your life with just that like ignorant confidence? Like that's my dream is to like not have any like self-conscious moments or like doubt my intelligence. Just be like, fuck it. No shirt with this suit. 
Yeah. It's a Jamie Tart. Yeah, I'm Jamie Tart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's a couple of big things that sort of in terms of tensions that exist in this episode. One, we could, I feel like we've talked about this already, so we don't have to go too deep into it. But one big tension is that this, uh, the veterans on the team, the experienced folks and the newcomers, like both sides think they know everything and are sort of giving the benefit of the doubt or willing to listen to the other side, right? There's um, related to that is like just having a little empathy for when you started out in the job, you see a lot of people move up the ranks um, and then sort of forget what it was like when they started. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of that. And then one that I find really interesting that I think you and I could noodle on for a bit is mediation in the workplace. Cause it's quite scary when it gets to that point, right? Like in this case, it's at a gala, they're drinking, it's a party, but they're forced to, talk about what's on their mind, what's bothering them, say some nice words about each other. But sometimes mediation happens in the workplace when like things have gotten really bad between two coworkers and it can feel really scary, but if done well, it's really powerful. So I thought that might be an interesting one for us too to explore. Yeah, I that that's definitely I you probably have more experience than that. I usually see it on a bigger scale and I think that this episode is also a good it's a it's symbolic of what we see of generational tensions inside mm. the workplace which is I I always especially when I'm working internally in in a company, I try to get that language out. Like if I hear like if there's any older generations that are in the room, they're like, oh, these millennials are just entitled, they do this. Like I nip that language in the bud. I'm like, this is not productive. Yeah. And and that quote that that Ted Lasso has where he goes, don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you. It's mm-hmm. so important. Like millennials, they get all, the, and, and the generation Z that's coming up behind them, they're all facing the same stereotypes that every young person in a generation has faced. Like I've, I've looked at articles from the 60s where they're talking about baby boomers being like the entitled ones in the workforce. Like it's not about generations. It's just about us hating on young people and not having any empathy that they're getting their footing and they're figuring things out. And and also respecting that they have new, fresh ideas. Yeah, I always, you know, I'm working with a client right now and they're, um, it's a professional services client. So they are pyramid shaped, very hierarchical. And there is this sort of like, well, the new, the new hires, the new sort of that junior level are just really entitled. I'm like, is it, are they, or are they just more, are they actually more empowered to set better boundaries? And we're just jealous because we didn't know how to do that or didn't feel a sense of permission when we were in their shoes, right? And so I think you talk about sort of breaking generational trauma within a family. I hope we are breaking generational trauma within capitalism as a society too, (laughs) where every new generation is like, I'm not gonna be on my deathbed wishing I had worked more hours. Like I'm gonna be on my deathbed like hopefully happy of all the time I spent with my family and my loved ones and being generous. Like, and so what do I do now to be able to reflect on the life that I'm proud of? Well, it's not working 80 hours a week. And so I applaud, listen, I applaud this generation. It, uh, yes, like the the misconceptions we have about productivity and the time that you spend at your desk is just, it's such an interesting topic. And 
and going along with that, just because somebody's young doesn't mean that they don't have great ideas. Like it is our job to help them. There's nothing more rewarding in this world than helping somebody figure out their passion. Yeah. Like when I have pe when I would have young people, I had a lot of young people on th this last team that I led, and it would be people that came out from college, and and I would ask them those questions of, hey, what are you interested in? What do you love doing? Do you like to analyze data? Do you like to create eight things that are in your mind. Okay, what are those things? And let me give you from my wisdom and from my experience, roles that you don't know of in an organization that can suit those strengths. Like we, like people coming out of college have no idea about all these bizarre jobs that are inside of especially the tech world. That's the one that I'm most familiar with. They're like, what is this, this product developer UX designer? Like they don't know what the heck that is. But if you have someone that could be the middle ground of like, oh, that person just listens to people and makes like products more usable, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, okay, cool. That sounds cool. I could go do that. And you're like, okay, here's classes on how you could get there. Like it's, like just need to help people it'll make organizations better anyway yeah okay. yeah no and i this is one of the things being able to do that as a recruiter within organizations was i i loved and um even when i was kind of coaching mba students as well it's just because people get overwhelmed they also feel like the decision they make around what they're gonna do is like the end-all be-all but rather it's yes. like okay actually and I've, I've said this before, I'm going to say it a thousand times, like when people talk about their careers, it's because they've like lived many years through it. They can look backwards, see all the stepping stones and call it a path. But reality, when you're in the middle of it, you might not know where you're going to end up. You can only sort of select the next stepping stone for yourself yes. and sort of understanding that like, at least if you think you're building a stepping stone in the direction you want to head in, great also allowing yourself to say the next stepping stone might go in a slightly direction like but we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to figure it all out right away sort of like as if like i've got to have this full-on career decided right now and and to your point then limit our ability to see what possibilities are out there just because we don't know Yes. And there is this idea that I wish would get eradicated out of people's minds that you have one purpose, you have one passion. I think that once you're able to have the mental shift that that's not what it's all about, you could have a bunch of different passions, you can enjoy doing lots of different types of work then it will allow you to stop putting that pressure on yourself that you need to find your passion job. Yeah. No, just, just like working with people, developing people, like doing great work. All of that can be transferable to so many different things. And then you're not just like stuck in one place. Yeah. So Let, bottom let's... line, be nice to your young people and help them. <laughs> like Roy's not in the right either. No, exactly. So I, I, I wanted to bring it back to Roy and Jamie in this case, because What's interesting is Roy, I mean, eventually they both take Ted's advice and they show a little vulnerability and admit that they've both been hard on each other because they're just really holding firm to like what they, their version of what's right. Mm -hmm. And so for folks who have seen the episode, a lot of it is like, hey, Jamie, you're really young and entitled and you don't know anything. Like you have no experience. Don't pretend you know everything. And it's like, Roy, you've lived your life, like move along, make room for others. And so you see this play out in the workplace as well. So yes, in addition to like Roy, because he does extend the olive branch first and say, hey, you know, when I was coming up, 
there was an old guy <laughs> in my <laughs> locker room who treated me the same way. And I recognize like, I behave just like you. So in sort of acknowledging that, but then Jamie has to also extend an olive branch. I think it does go the other way. Like you can't just be like, oh, okay. The youth are not entitled, they're in power. Let's get all their good ideas. For there sure. Has, there has to be res mutual respect for the folks that have lived through this, right? Because, and so let's put ourselves in this sort of Jamie Tart type persona of the up and comer whippersnapper who is maybe a bit too, like acting, behaving too big for their britches, too big for their, for their football cleats. So <laughs> what advice... Boots. Like, what advice do we give those? Because it can be really frustrating to feel like you're being dismissed and at the same time not realize that you yourself are being disrespectful of other people. So uh, that's a really good question. And I think from this episode, we see this in three different ways, that bad behavior comes from insecurity, right? Like we learn later on that Jamie Tart is, he's got a lot of insecurity. Rebecca has a lot of insecurity. She's, there's this really great quote whenever she's talking about Rupert, who is her ex-husband, who is like the biggest asshole you'll probably meet on the show. So she has this quote where she said, she's she's having a really emotional moment and she says i used to think that his blunt honesty was mm. honorable but now i realize it was the cruelest way of hiding insecurities mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and so we see it in rupert we see it in rebecca like it, it's rooting her bad behavior and jamie tart's bad behavior so i think that if i'm talking to a jamie tart it's like you like take some of that pressure off yourself like step up to the plate but do it in a way that you're serving other people you're serving the organization you're serving the product like stop like focusing on yourself so much that you're just you're in this 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 whole storm of someone's gonna figure out I'm a fraud and I'm an imposter and 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 I'm not who I'm supposed to be like like try to stop doing that by putting that focus outward and the other things that you're doing and stop being an asshole yeah I would even say what would you say yeah 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 uh, yeah I would even say like if you're if you are experiencing tension with a manager or more senior person and you have this sort of dynamic and you sort of quip that it's like a generational thing but maybe there's something underlying it it is you're right two sides two insecurities playing out with through bad behavior right the the, the, the probably the older more experienced person is feeling like insecure like am i becoming obsolete and the younger person is like feeling insecure like i need to prove myself and i don't like being dismissed right what i might say if if i'm the jamie tart in this case is as vulnerable and as comfortable as you feel being saying hey i just want to let you know like I really want to do a good job. Like set your intentions, be very clear about your intentions. And I know I've heard your feedback, like, so express that you've heard the feedback. And I think what's happening is like in my effort to do a really good job and prove myself and help the team along, like it's, it hasn't always landed and mm -hmm. I'm owning that. Oh my gosh. If you could say that, if you were in that situation, you need to rewind and then write down what Virginia just said. <laughs> Yeah, it's the most beautiful thing you could say to a person if you're having tension with them. And here's also, and I'm probably going to say this a thousand times on this podcast too. Like, I think one of the most powerful questions you can ask someone that's like, if you were in my shoes, yes. what advice would you give me? Now, you don't, let me be clear. You don't have to take the advice. It might end up being shitty advice. But I do think what you do is you disarm the other person 
they now feel like, okay, so you, you care about my opinion and you are asking me actually to actively empathize with your situation, which pulls me out of my own perspective, forces me to look at it through your perspective and give you an objective answer. Now, again, they might not do that. They might give you shitty advice. You don't have to take it. But for the, <laughs> my experience as people, that question. So my question to you is if you were me, what advice would you give me? Or if you were in my shoes, what advice would you give me? People, it's enough to stop them in their tracks and be like, oh yeah, I've been kind of a jerk. I've yeah. been, I haven't really been thinking about this from your perspective. And actually now that I do, I probably would have done the same thing as you. If you ever hear someone use the term um, like leading your manager or upward leadership or anything like that, sometimes people get really confused by that. But, but what Virginia just described, that is what that is, is that you are always in a position of of empowerment you always have power and by if you feel like someone's coming down on you all the time you can still leave that person and change the situation i and, and it doesn't mean it's going to work our only job in life inside of these social situations that we're in is to extend the invitation that's what leadership is um, it might not work but it can and a lot of times it does hmm. <sighs> something like just kind of well, not necessarily switching topics, but you brought up Rebecca and Rupert and that that great quote she has. It made me think about something else because ultimately what ends up happening at the well, Rupert's such a jerk. He like says he doesn't want to come. Then he shows up unannounced. We have reason to believe that he's the ones that like led to the cancellation of their musical guests and all these things and just. But one thing that stood out to me and this has happened to me in the workplace i often think i'm the only one that notices someone's being an asshole but ted has that moment with her that says and i'm gonna paraphrase this but like you think you're the only one that can see him trust me others do too she feels it so deeply because they had a personal relationship they were married but like basically saying like you're not the only one that sees that he's an asshole you yeah. know what I mean? And this happens a lot in the workplace because people like don't like conflict. They avoid it. They don't speak up. And so then the asshole gets to continue being a jerk. But when you know you're not alone, because what I think that changed for her, because like she kind of felt like it was a Rebecca thing. Mm -hmm. And Ted made her feel like, no, it's a Rupert thing. He's like, he's a like universally understood as a jerk. Yeah, if people are assholes around you, everyone else can see that they're assholes. Like you are never in a situation where you are the only person that sees that the other person is not behaving correctly. Everybody sees it. I think what differs is people's comfort level with like nipping that behavior in the bud. Mm -hmm. And with Rupert being often the most powerful person in those rooms, you can imagine why he got away with it for so long because it's, oh, it's really scene. hard that scene where he gives her that million dollar check. Like oh. you just want to punch him through the screen. For the children. Oh yes, this for, the children. for the children. Yeah, I, yeah, no, he's just terrible. He's gross. And, but I thought that was a really lovely moment. And I think, I don't know, I'm speculating because while Rebecca was planning this whole thing, she was holding control really, really tightly. Like she didn't want to drop any balls. Mm -hmm. And after that moment, when Ted Lasso basically says like, you're not alone in this. This is not a Rebecca issue. This is like a Rupert issue and just people don't have the balls to say anything to him. 
she finally lets control lets go of a little bit of control and lets him invite that busker <laughs> cam cole to play I at loved the end it. and i kind of was like whoa that's a big deal for rebecca can you imagine like because earlier like she would have never mm-hmm. let go of that control and i think a brief light of like okay ted gets me i he's shown trust in me i'm showing trust in him i don't know i thought that was really sweet <laughs> it was so sweet my last i i ha- oh, i'm so excited to talk about this this last topic of this episode and it's about how keely starts setting boundaries oh the accountability I oh the accountability piece I did not realize until I was in my 30s that setting boundaries was a thing that a person could do. And I had a life coach be like, hey, if this person is being miserable to you all the time and complaining and sucking your energy out, you don't have to have those conversations with them anymore. And I was like, what What did you say to me? That's a thing you can do in life? Right, right. You don't like, have to just be a martyr. You don't have to be a martyr. This, this is very hard when it's your family members too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Like you're like, no, I am the person they complain to and drag through the mud all the time. That is my role. If I'm not that person, what were our, what will our relationship be, right? Yeah. Um. So – but it's it's only in life that you learn to set your boundaries and be in control of that and the energy that you are letting into your life that you really start to find your power. And so so Keely has this moment where she's talking to Rebecca. Rebecca tells her that Jamie Tart put another woman as his plus one for this event, even though you know that's her boyfriend. And she has this exchange with Rebecca where she's like, have you ever dated a footballer before? I started dating them whenever I was 18 and now I'm 30. I've seen the same behavior the whole time. And, and then Rebecca tells her, she's like, well, have you ever held them accountable? And she, it's like, I'm like, I feel that moment so deeply with Keely because I experienced the same thing in my life where I was like, wait, you can hold people accountable? Like, you can yeah. set a boundary? Like, that's crazy. And then she does it with Jamie. She's like, I'm not taking your shit anymore. And, and you can see her as a person and you see her as a person throughout the episodes start to change and start to become more powerful. I think what's also there too is like not only does she bring up sort of Jamie's lack of accountability, but what she notices in that conversation with Rebecca and then she acts on it is that like actually she prides herself on being accountable. So I think in that moment she realized, well, wait a minute. Why is like I think accountability is really important. I hold myself to it. Why wouldn't I expect someone else to be accountable to me if it's if it's such a deep value of mine you know absolutely because at the end so part of the gala was this auction and you get to like you know bid on dates with the with the footballers and there's all this all this sort of confusion ensues between this other like side piece that jamie has that's bidding (laughs) that ends up bidding on him but ends up going home with rupert but also in this sort of jealous act keely sort of spitefully bids on roy and roy like very bluntly at the end was like, I didn't like that. That didn't make me feel good. I don't like being a pawn in whatever little like lovers spat you have going on. And immediately she apologized, takes ownership for what she did wrong, acknowledges it and is accountable. And so we see what it looks like. We see what Mm -hmm. accountability looks like. Um, 
So I thought it's that was okay to make a mistake as long as you as long as you say you're sorry. Like you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be accountable for the waves that you make in the world. And once you can do that, it's it just frees up a lot of energy. Yeah. And the last thing sort of on that too is you'll hear a lot of people say it doesn't matter sort of to some extent what your intention was if the impact was negative mm -hmm. you still have to take ownership of that you still have to be accountable for the impact you caused um and i think that she she displayed that she she showed us how it works yeah i'm gonna give a quick model on this and then we're gonna wrap up but um and oh i can't i can't remember what it's called but i'll like i'll tag it somewhere <laughs> But whenever something happens where we have bad behavior, we give ourselves, we think about our own intention. We'll say like, oh, I didn't mean it to go like that. Like, the, like my intentions were right. It just didn't happen the way that I wanted it to. But when we look at other people, if somebody else makes a mistake, we immediately attack their character. And we say, mm -hmm. oh, it's because they're lazy or they're a bad person or they are not taking other people's feelings into accountability. We never think about their intentions. We think about their character. But for ourselves, we think about our intentions and we don't attribute it to our character. Yeah, no, absolutely. We don't give people the benefit of the doubt as much as we give ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. We're like so mean to ourselves and we don't set boundaries and we let people treat us like crap at times. But we're like, oh, but like my intentions are pure than everybody else. No one else. No one else has pure intentions. But yeah, no, totally. Being so a human doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that wraps up. Uh, Ted Lasso season one, episode four for the children. And next week um, is the episode where Ted's family comes to visit and Jamie Tart gets benched. So Ooh. we'll dive into that. So thank you all for joining us and listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.